0: This is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hey, hey, hey! yakshamash. I
1: come to you too, isn't You know, really, I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. Well, thanks for noticing. It's a real pain.
0: We uh, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show Christian Leitner.
2: Yeah, I'm proud of my heritage, and my mother used to make a lot of delicious meals: kapusta, clunky, pilori, all that.
0: Yak Shamash, everybody, welcome to the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Of course, brought to you by Bucky's fifth quarter. Make sure you guys go to Bucky's fifth quarter for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and discussion. And uh, I am Jay Kokorowski, and we got the Polish Rifle Scott Wisniewski with us, too. Welcome. A uh, nice Thursday evening. Big show coming up. At the bottom of the hour, about 8.35. we have the Wisconsin State Journal, former B5Q. Writer, uh, now currently with the Wisconsin State Journal, Jason Galloway joins us, talks, a little bit of a uh, bi-week review report card, talking about the Wisconsin Badgers and if he ever thought during the regular season or before the regular season if the Badgers would lose Corey Clement, two of their three most important receiving targets, uh, and have to rely on Joel Stave if he thought that the Badgers would be at 8 wins heading into their bye week. We'll talk to, we'll ask him that along with some uh, other surprises, disappointments, uh and what uh what's to come, especially with Iowa facing Minnesota this weekend uh, and if the Badgers can somehow find their way to Indianapolis, which uh, seems like a quite the long shot with the number 5 Iowa Hawkeyes. In about 8 minutes we got Wes Hodkowitz, Green Bay Press Gazette, uh, one of our favorites, one of our uh our brothers, I think we can refer to him as uh, both uh, talking Packers and also talking wrestling. He will be on in about eight minutes, previewing uh, Packers Detroit, kind of talking about what's been ailing the team, Eddie Lacy, uh, a myriad of other things we'll we'll discuss uh, in in the time we have with him tonight. And uh, just breaking news too, uh, Scott. I don't know if you heard, you heard about this. Uh, it was released. There was a release by the Wisconsin Badgers athletic department today, talking about. Uh, Corey Clement suffering a a hand injury, a uh, uh, cut on his hand, uh, with a, following an incident at his off-campus residence early Sunday morning. Uh, basically, from the official statement, this is what it says here. Clement was returning to his residence when he re- witnessed a verbal dispute between a security guard at his apartment building and a group of individuals. Clement became engaged in the dispute. He and the security guard were then assaulted by the individuals, resulting in a cut to Clement's hand. He attended the Badgers' practice on Wednesday, but did not participate as planned due to his continued rehab from his sports hernia injury. Uh, Due to the ongoing police investigation in the matter, Clement, uh, head coach Paul Christ in the Wisconsin Athletic Department, will have no further comment on the incident. Uh, Not necessarily the best junior year. uh, It's the third year for Corey Clement. Uh, I, i definitely with that sports hernia surgery, and now uh, with this, it's just, it's been a, a pretty bad season for Clement, eh? Uh,
1: yeah, um, yeah, I, I, you know, it, it seems like it's almost the lost season, because we've been talking about it, you know, we talked about it a few weeks ago, uh, probably four or five weeks ago, and we said, well, you know, what do you do with this guy, do you shut him down, and you know, we were pretty much everybody we talked to that day said, no, no, you, got to, you need him. You need him when he comes back. He comes back, he plays a decent game, then he's out again last week. Then he's going into the bye week, you're hoping he can be healthy. Then this unfortunate incident happens. You know, honestly, yes, you know, it would be nice to have him for, for Northwestern and for Minnesota. Um, ideally, probably it would be best if you had him at 100% for the bowl game, whatever that ends up being, but... Man, what a disappointing season! I, you know, all the way around. You, you know, you look at this team now; they they cracked the top twenty-five in a in a bowl poll, in a college BCS poll, whatever it's called now. It's frustrating because you look at their two losses; they lost to the number two team in that poll and the number five team when they literally gave that game away. And I know we're going to talk about it at the bottom of the hour, and we're going to talk about you know. If their chances of Indianapolis. They're not going to Indianapolis, but they should be. I mean, there were several plays in that Iowa game, and I don't want to rehash it all, but we didn't get to talk about it when it happened. But the fumble in the red zone near the goal line, that's the difference between them playing for the Big Ten Championship and them playing in the Bowl. And that's really what it comes down to right now. I mean, obviously, sure, they could still lose one of their next two games, but if they went out the only thing that's going to be standing between them and another trip to Indianapolis was that Iowa game. And Iowa's a good team, but the Badgers should have beat them that day.
0: Yeah, I'll agree with that. I mean, they're one fumble away on the goal line from from winning that game uh, based off the performance of Joe Schobert. And that defense just holding uh, C.J. Beathard and the Hawkeyes uh, really dormant on that offense sands the one touchdown off of that interception from Desmond King. And so well, that's uh, – which led to that short field and that, that easy touchdown, uh, that touchdown drive that uh, basically was the game winner. So I, I do agree that it uh, – we'll see. But, I mean, 10 wins even for this team with without Clement – uh, and that solid defense, it's still, i say it's a success, but we'll, uh, if, if they do win, obviously Northwestern's ranked there, you have a great defense and Wisconsin's had some trouble uh, that granted that was mostly at Ryan field, but uh, last year, they'll try to avenge that loss and keep pace if, if Iowa, uh, depending upon what happens against Minnesota. And then also, uh, you know, we'll, we'll also break down, we have about four minutes left, before, uh, before West comes on. but let's talk a little Packers, uh, now that we're talking, you're looking at a team that went into the bye week undefeated. Uh, after that, two rough losses to one to Denver, who then lost yeah. to Indianapolis, but then also to Carolina, who uh, they made a valiant comeback, uh, to say the least. Uh, and if not for that fourth down where Rodgers missed uh, Cobb on that on that out route, uh, looked like it was a pick play, but he had Cobb open uh that could possibly have tied the game. Uh give the you know, Packers credit for coming back after being down by so much uh in that second half, but uh, you know, they go in they go in now facing the Detroit Lions at six and two and, and actually tied for the division lead with the Minnesota Vikings.
1: First of all, I'll give them no credit for the comeback because Carolina had pretty much packed it in. And then when they needed to make a play in the goal in the red zone they did. Uh I don't know where to start when we get West on the phone. I mean, defense, giving up 500 yards for three games in a row. Okay, there's a good starting point. Injuries, fine. Poor play by the offensive line, okay. Receivers that can't get separation, okay. Aaron Rodgers not being Aaron Rodgers and not escaping the pocket, staying in the pocket too long, okay. The pushing and shoving match on the sideline. I don't know. Where do we start, Jake? Because, I mean, there's... (laughs) I mean, there's a lot going on with this team right now. And, you know, we talked about it in the preseason, and I, I wasn't ready to anoint the Packers a Super Bowl team. And I thought my main reason was twofold. Their defense, I thought, was subpar. And then early on, they played but well above their expectations. But I thought the defense was subpar, and I didn't think they could sustain the loss of Jordy Nelson. And getting James Jones helped. The gap between the younger players and the veterans, but this team doesn't get separation. Uh, when you got good cornerbacks, good cornerbacks that can play man coverage, and and kind of keep those the, 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 those quick hitters from happening, and then Aaron Rodgers has to try to look check down, check down, check down, which was fine when the offensive line was protecting him. Now it's not. So I don't know what has happened because this went from after six games, this was you know. Touted after five games for sure, touted as, oh, one of the best offensive lines in football. Doesn't look that way. No, I forgot to add number seven to my list of things I don't understand is what happened to Eddie Lacy. But we'll get into all that, I'm sure. But now that he can't check down, he's got to use his feet more, which he's good at. But then against Carolina, he hung in there. He got hit 15 times. I don't care how durable you are. I don't care if you've got a a suit made of iron and the only thing that can stop you is kryptonite. You get hit 15 times a week, you're not making it through the season. That's a guarantee. That can't happen anymore. And they've got some teams coming up. Minnesota can rush the quarterback. Arizona can rush the quarterback. Dallas can rush the quarterback. They're not out of the woods yet with getting pressured. So they're going to need to figure out a way to shore that up Because if Aaron Rodgers doesn't finish the season, even though Aaron Rodgers hasn't been Aaron Rodgers that we're used to, he's still better than Scott Tolzien and better than Brent Hundley. And if he can't make it through the season, any flickering hopes of a Super Bowl and going into the next level fade. If he goes down, you can forget about them winning this division.
0: And you're, and you're looking at this just as FOI and we'll we'll get into Wes about this. Uh, the next four games are divisional games. You have the Lions at home at Minnesota on the 22nd. On Thanksgiving night, obviously a big game with the Bears uh the Brett Favre retirement uh ceremony if I'm not mistaken uh and then the uh or the yeah, and then you have the at Detroit uh on Thursday night as well on the 3rd. So quite the uh, I'd say it's quite the matchup. These are some telling for telling four games. Uh, with this, you're looking at there as if the, Mike McCarthy said the the quarters, uh, if you will, as they're heading into their third quarter. This is a pivotal third quarter for them uh, because the rest of the season they're they're playing the Cowboys at home, then it's at Oakland, at Arizona, which will be a, probably a key matchup there. And then what could be the division? Uh, deciding game, taking on Minnesota on, on January third, uh, and uh, we just got a whole West. West will be on in just a, a few minutes with us uh, on that. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess. So,
1: I, uh, go ahead. I'm gonna hold off. I'm gonna hold off on the injuries until we get West because there's 15 guys listed on the injury report today, and it's interested to see who is going to play and who's not. Obviously, the ones people are worried about most: Mike Neal, Nick Perry. Um, and uh, Sam Shields, uh, and then obviously now with Jones. But Bulaga was limited as well, too, and Sitton was limited. So here's an offensive line struggling, and they got two starters with limited participation. We'll get into all that while we wait for West. but you're right. I mean, you know, and again, you don't want to put – I'm not pushing the panic button because they lost two in a row, because they lost to two teams. Jake, it's how they lost. You know, I I, I think if you would have told me – because I, I picked them for eleven and five, 12 and four max, so I, they were going to lose some games along the way. That's that's not what's got me bothered. It's that categorically across the board, every facet of this team is failing. Offense, defense, special teams, quarterback play, offensive line. I, I mean, if I if I put a gun to your head, let's go back to the Denver game. Give me a bright spot.
0: Ah. Uh... Yeah, uh, there's there there wasn't one really. I mean, I. So, I mean,
1: you can lose games but still have one facet of the three play well. That didn't. It hasn't been happening. So, you know, so it's not you know because I know people have been. I've had this conversation with people. they just being reactionary. No, I'm not. There, there's something not right here, and and because of it, we need to figure out. You know what what bright spots there are. What this can do to to to
0: right the ship, so to speak. I, I I agree. I think it's one of those things where uh, they'll now have to. Obviously, you have a game against Detroit where maybe there's a there's a chance that they can that they can fix it. Obviously, not to knock on wood or be superstitious, but the Lions haven't had the best chance, uh, the best uh, games at Lambeau Field in the past. What is it? Two two and a half decades now. Uh, So they have an easy way to kind of help right the ship uh, with with the way the Lions are playing, who are just a complete wreck, especially in the front office with their president and their GM both being let go, being fired. Was it a week earlier? Uh, So, I mean, they have the chance to help right that ship. But, yeah, it really depends upon who... Or you know, and, and how they they write it is it uh, with James Stark being, Sarks being the number one running back? Does that light the fire underneath uh, Eddie Lacy, who isn't bouncing off those tackles? Which I mean, was, you know, briefly talking about that, Scotty, you know, a year old colleague from five forty in, in Milwaukee, Bill Johnson, was always talked about it on Green and Gold today, saying, you know, "How many times are you going to get battered around it and with that physical style of running until you don't become?" As useful as you can be, as effective as well, you can be, and and you I know, bet, is it that I, or I is, it, is that. it conditioning?
1: Well, it's it, it's both, but you know what? You make a good point, and Bill makes a good point because I've said that I said that about Ron Dane. You know, when he got to the pros, I'm like, well, boy, why doesn't he look so good? You know what? I think running backs have—I don't know what the number is—but they only have so many hits they can take. Those collisions, it, it's, they're they're not they're not a joke. You know what I mean? Like, I think you can only get beat up so many times. That's why I think you see a lot of running backs nowadays who only played, started one year in college that have a longer shelf life when they get to the NFL. That's why teams have gone to running backs by committees over the last 10 years. Back in the old days, I know I sound like an old man, when a guy would carry a ball 30 times. That doesn't happen anymore. And I think people have found out why. You're, You're right. You can only take so much of a beating. Now, I'd hate to think that Eddie Lacy, after three years, has hit that number, but I think that that's part of it. And I think when you throw that into the mix with conditioning, I think that's part of the reason why he's struggled so mightily. And you're
0: looking at that, too, when you have the fact of the, the carries. is something that even it's been talked about, not to wrap it around Badger talk, but look at Corey Clement. You know, the, he had stated last week even that, you know, it was a uh, – a three and out type deal where, you know, he thought that probably in all likelihood that he would go, go and move on after his third season, after his third season at Wisconsin due to something similar like that. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it wasn't kind of, he didn't state the the reason with that, but you'd think after three years and, and he had limited carries his first two years behind James White, behind uh, of course, Melvin Gordon, but, You know, it's sort of the same argument with that. I'd say it's something where, uh, how you know, will he will he come back now, or will he if he can get better after if this cut hand, this sports, if he gets that lingering soreness from his sports hernia injury, can he get back and can he be, can he recover, and uh, can he show enough to to impress the scouts, or will he come back for that fourth year, Uh, and and will uh, a decision looking at what you've seen from even like a Monte Ball, who's you know not in the league right now. Yeah, uh, exactly. we'll, we'll see, you know. But well, I think, on Clement,
1: what, I think Clement comes back just because of the injuries. But I think if he would have had a good year, I can't begrudge any. I mean, again, especially Wisconsin running backs. History has said because they ran the ball so many times with Monte Ball, with Ron Dayne, with Marvin Gordon. But yeah, you take a lot of hits, get your money while you can. And I think, I, I think you're telling me that we might have Wes ready. Is that is that right? Yep.
0: Yep. Right. Although I, I do have to say to your point, not many people caught Melvin Gordon, but uh on that point with those those twenty plus yard runs. But I know yeah, definitely with, with ball and, and whatnot. Uh but yeah, on that note, let's uh let's take just a quick break. Uh we'll take about a forty five second break, come back with Wes Hodkiewicz, our our Polish brother from another mothers, uh here on the Kielbasa Kings Sports Extravaganza, of course. Brought to you by Bucky's fifth quarter. Doc Shamash, everybody, welcome back, of course, to the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter, where you can go for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and discussion. And always, you guys can go to the Green Bay Press Gazette for all your Green Bay Packers analysis, great articles, and commentary. And I personally. Watch this man before every every game on Periscope uh, with with Pete Doherty. We have Wes Hodkowitz on from the Green Bay Press Gazette. Wes, let me just say I love those. Uh, I'm gonna be starting commenting more on, on your Periscope videos. Uh, amazing work, my friend.
2: Yeah, thanks, brother. Don't, dude. I totally see though every time that Jake comes up there on the, you know, people who are joining the the, the Periscope. That always brings a smile to my face. So yeah, it's. It's been a lot of fun. It's it's something different. I'm sure you'll talk to Jason here in a little bit. I know he's doing a lot with that, too. It's a changing environment and uh, trying to do the best we can with it. But it's been a lot of fun being able to interact with people a little bit more directly than when before we were doing live stream stuff and never could talk to anybody.
1: Well, well, something that hasn't been fun. How's that for a segue? Um, (laughs) That's a really good one. Having to sit through the last two weeks of, of Packer football, and I was saying to Jake before we got on the air, before we brought you on the air, that I am not reactionary. I expected the Packers would have two losses halfway through the season. It's just, right. I can't find, for seven out of the last eight quarters, I can't find a bright spot. You know, people talk about the fourth quarter against Carolina, but really Carolina had phoned it in defensively at that point. Right. I just. I I can't see anything at any facet that makes me feel like this team is any closer to a Super Bowl than they were when they kicked off in September. And I guess we'll start with the defense, but we could really start anywhere. But let's start there. 500 yards of of total offense have given up. And I know injuries play a part, and we'll talk more about injuries. It feels like we're always talking injuries with this Packer team. But defensively, how do they stem the tide? I mean, they looked so much better than last year, the first six weeks of the season, and now they look terrible. Yeah, that's been the most frustrating thing.
2: I wrote a story on Monday
1: when we got back from
2: Charlotte uh, during our availability about how, for as improved as this defense was supposed to be, for how much they they turned you know the corner uh, after the first eight games, they're basically in the same exact spot they were last year. Um, and now this time there is no drastic makeover shift that you can do like they did last year with Clay Matthews. They got to figure this thing out with uh, the, the guys that they already have on deck. So uh, this is I, I was talking with uh, I remember when I was in Denver next to Rob Demoski. Rob was doing his three stars of the game. He has to do three, like, three positives, three negatives. We couldn't find any. And mm-hmm. uh, Carolina, there, there really wasn't much either. So uh, I had to do our grades for tomorrow, too. If In, in this next upcoming paper, we're going to have our, our uh, positional grades. And it was really difficult trying to weigh out the positives that they had in the first five games, and then particularly on the defensive side of the ball, the, how things have kind of unraveled here the last three.
1: I'm
0: here with Wes Hodkiewicz, Green Bay Press Gazette, and you you look at with what this, uh, you know, even looking at the offense, you you see uh, Aaron Rodgers not necessarily looking. I guess, I mean, obviously he came back and had a, you know, the stats look more impressive at at the end of that game, though. I think it was, I think he was 25 of 48, if I'm not mistaken. So his completion percentage might not have been there. But uh, what, in your opinion, is uh, is ailing this offense and and does it also be in the, of course, covering some Wisconsin, does that include not uh, one Jared Aberdaris for our Wisconsin fans?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's funny. Everybody points the receivers, and, you know, there uh, there's certainly some blame there to go as well. Um, but I made the case right when Jordy Nelson got hurt back in August that this meant that they were going to need to lean on Eddie Lacy even more than they have uh, in the past, kind of if you think about 2013 when they lose Aaron Rodgers the reason they made the playoffs that year wasn't because of Matt Flynn it was because of Eddie Lacy keeping them afloat and he just wasn't able to do that this year whether that's the weight whether that's conditioning whether that's him just taking a step back Eddie Lacy's not been the same running back their running game and their inability to really move the chains I think has played a big role in them not having really an offensive rhythm at all and the receivers just aren't good enough to to have this be a pass first offense like it was in 2011. They need balance. They don't have a tight end like Jermichael Finley. Uh I made the case in in our grades that, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I know people will blame him for not trying to throw guys open and you know, and, and holding onto the football too long, but he's the reason they have 6 wins right now. He's he's been able to do just enough with the pieces around him to make this entire thing work. Uh, positive, I, I still think, you know, the offensive line, the, the gap integrity, It's it's been there at times. It's given him a, a pocket to work with. These receivers got to get open, and the coaches have to do a better job of scheming to get them open uh, because, uh, you know, even if James Starks is the guy now, uh, this is still a pass-first offense, and they need to get that going to, uh, you know, really be able to get back to where they
1: were at. Well, let's, let's stay with the offense, Wes, because you mentioned the offensive line, and, again, I – after the you know even after the San Diego game, I thought, wow, this is one of the better offensive lines in football. And I know it's only two weeks, and Denver's got a great right. pass rush. Carolina's got a good defense, but you can't let the quarterback get hit 15 times and expect them to last the season. So was that just an anomaly? I mean, because obviously sitting in Blaga is a little bit banged up. Do you think the offensive line is still good enough to protect them? I mean, there's still teams like Dallas and Arizona they're going to have to face if they can get to the quarterback. Right. But is that still one of the strengths of this offense, do you think? Yeah, I think so. Um,
2: in, in terms of maybe not like an, an num you know, an A line, but you know, the, it's probably the second best component of their offense right now besides the quarterback, at, at least in my opinion. Uh, I think one of the things that hurt them, and as you talked about, Rogers get hit. I think I'm doing this off the top of my head. I think Rogers has twenty two, he's been hit twenty two times the last two weeks, he's and that's mm-hmm. forty four for the season. So uh half of his hits have come in these last two games. Uh, Brian Bulaga did not look like a hundred percent player to me. I, at times, I don't even know if he looked like a seventy-five percent player. Uh, him battling that knee injury, and then that was kind of echoed with him having to sit out of practice Wednesday. I think that's that's something he's really gutting through, and unfortunately, I think it also kind of affects his ability to slide back and his, you know, in his stance. So um, I thought the interior has been pretty good. Uh, you know, there was some miscommunication there with where they were letting guys go, and you know, they had some defenders coming free against Carolina. I don't anticipate that that would happen against Detroit. It's a much different line uh, now that Ndama Sue is not there and Nick Fairley's not there. Uh, but that'll still be a challenge for them, and, and they're going to have to prove that you know that that was an anomaly, as you said, and this is, still can be one of the what they feel is the strongest line they've had during their time here in Green Bay. And Michael, no, like
1: I'm sorry, Wes. I'm going to keep it right here since we, we brought up the injuries. Looking at the injury report, 15 guys on there. A lot of them, some of them practiced full today, some of them improved, they practiced a little bit more than they did on Wednesday, but out of the ones that that I'm looking at, obviously Bulaga's an important one, Shields is important, Mike Neal, the other two, the rookie, uh, Randall and Rollins, they were in full participation today, but who concerns you the most on that list and who has the best chance of maybe not being ready for Sunday? You know, that's what's interesting. I,
2: I would be surprised if any of these guys aren't playing on Sunday, even though the list is 15. I I would think everybody would be back. I think Brian Bulaga is probably the one that concerns me the most because I think this is something he's going to have to deal with for a while. Obviously, there was the MCL damage there, the torn meniscus that required surgery. He came back in three weeks. Uh, depending on what he did to it and what, why it took so long to come back, that is something that does concern me a little bit and, and see if it's going to be something he's going to have to deal with based on his, his knee history. But Mike Neal has done this a lot in the past where he hasn't practiced during the week or been extremely limited and still played on Sundays. Uh, so, I, I mean, we'll see. Maybe he won't go against the Lions, but even then I don't think that's a catastrophe. I think Nick Perry maybe has even been the better player this season at outside outside rusher. Uh, but and then we're also going to have to see about Ty Montgomery, you know, because now he's three weeks removed from that ankle that ankle sprain and, you know, I think that could be one thing when you talk about this offense, trying to be more dynamic. If they can get him and Randall Cobb going at the same time, uh, that gives these defenses a lot more looks to prepare for. And I, I could see that definitely being something that that could push them along here as they, they sort of try to find themselves offensively.
0: We're here with Wes Hodkowitz, Green Bay Press Gazette. Of course, find him on Twitter at Wes Hod. And, you know, with with this team maybe going a little bit broader in terms of the division uh, your opinions on the Minnesota Vikings, and obviously uh, with with their record and and what they've done, uh, pretty legit threat to the NFC North.
2: I think so, and I think they are because of that that defense more than the offense. Uh, I, I I probably if Teddy Bridgewater becomes a really good quarterback in this league, I'm going to have to you know just sort of fess up to that. I still have huge questions <laughs> about him. But I like, I love their defense, and I love Mike Zimmer's scheme. I think the, you know, the double A gap blitzes that he used so much in, in Cincinnati and and now in Minnesota. That's something that a lot of teams in the league are catching on to. You see the Packers doing a lot of it now with Clay Matthews and, you know, whatever inside linebackers playing next to him depending on the week. Uh, and you you the way that they're able to construct that defense, I think it puts a lot of pressure on teams that you know even if Teddy Bridgewater that offense only puts up 20 25 you know 24 27 points they have a chance to win and if you look at the history with Aaron Rodgers he's had a really difficult time against his ability to to kind of push the push the envelope a little bit so i do think that is a big challenge i think both of those games are going to be pretty tight contests i could see them losing one probably i'm guessing that that one in minnesota maybe um and i think that's probably why this game against Detroit really holds even more power for the Packers right now, needing to take care of business at home.
1: What, one of the other questions, you know, is one of the things we talked about a lot of the people I spoke with over the last couple of days about the the fight on the sidelines. Now, I honestly don't think it's that big of a deal. It's not like. Uh, the some of the stuff that's going on in Dallas and some of the ridiculous right. things. I, I think there's a little bit of emotion. I think the team worked it out, but you're there. you got your, your, your finger on the pulse. Do you think there's any lingering effects from, from that?
2: I haven't sensed it in the locker room this week. I've talked with Vijay Raji and, you know, Julius Peppers this week and it got brought up again on Monday. And, you know, I think Raji answered some questions about it Wednesday, but everybody's pretty much saying that it's something that's in the past right now and, and everyone's moved on. Um, The reason I think it it probably gained, in addition to any time something like that is caught on film, it was kind of an interesting uh, kind of juxtaposition (laughs) to have a guy like Clinton Dix, who's a second-year player, you know, having a shouting match with a 14-year vet like Julius Peppers. You don't see that every day. Um, And obviously he went on social media and apologized for it, and and everybody moved on. My colleague Pete Doherty actually was a pretty big fan of it. Uh, He thought that really showed um, some fire and you can't really argue with the fact that they played pretty well after that, too. I mean, they made some pretty big stops defensively against, you know, obviously a Carolina offense that had sort of put it into neutral a little bit. But I'll be interested to see how they how they come up against Detroit now and, and how they respond because there are the pieces there defensively to be a, to be a good defense. I don't know about a great defense, but I, they're better than what, you know, they've done the last couple of weeks. So uh, if they can come together now after that, I think it could be big. But you also have to be curious if this is something – that uh could potentially spell trouble for them as they continue to sort of uh you know lose themselves a little bit here in these last three games.
1: Yeah, I don't know what was what was funnier, uh, that Clinton Dick dick Clinton Dix went after Peppers or that he had any right to talk about anything that was going on with the, the terrible series he had leading up to that.
2: So. Yeah, and nobody, nobody would talk about it afterwards. It, you know, Clinton Dix said he he went up to him and said he was trying to fire him up. I'm like, I don't know if you necessarily have to fire up Julius Peppers. Like, I thought that was a really interesting answer. And, you know, B.J. Raji comes in there and shoves him, and, you know, Clinton Dix said after the game that he wasn't really sure why why Raji did that. You know, I don't, don't know what his problem was or something like that. So it was a really, really strange incident. I have to imagine a lot of it, despite what they may say was probably steeped in frustration after they'd just given up their 37th point.
1: Yeah. Is it weird by the way,
0: I was looking at the stats of the Packers. I think, I think Clinton Dix actually leads the team in tackles, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Yeah, that makes
2: sense. Yeah.
0: You know, I just, I, I guess, I mean, with, uh, if you had the like, Yes, in terms of this this defense and if if there's one thing that i guess maybe it's the one maybe it's this is a a huge hypothetical maybe on on both right. offense and defense, if you had one thing to change in bo- on both and maybe it kind of goes back to some of our conversation earlier but if you could if you were a magician and just with your wand fixed one thing on each side of the ball, what would it be
2: It would be to clone another inside linebacker like clay Matthews. <laughs> or, or or maybe or maybe Sam Barrington. I mean, uh, you know, in no no disrespect to Nate Palmer, obviously he's he's made a big conversion there going from outside linebacker to inside linebacker. But I thought um, them putting in Jake Ryan, as far as what they can do without magic uh, was, was something that this defense probably needs to do to help their run defense. I think that's been an issue. Um, If I couldn't make a change, it would be probably that, you know, just finding some way to get more production out of inside linebacker and that defense, it's so important. And, if Matthews isn't going to be rushing from the outside, they got to be more stout inside. And uh, the last couple of games they haven't been that. Offensively, really it would be to, to heal Jermichael Finley's neck. Uh, that this, and I wrote about this last week. Uh, I think it was last week. You know, they haven't, since the day that that Finley had suffered that career-ending neck injury, he had 72 receiving yards that day. The Packers have not had a tight end go over 70 receiving yards in a game since then. Andrew Corliss got close, I think, once or twice, but they haven't gotten that much production out of that spot. They need it. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers, in this offense, was at its best when they had a player at that position. I thought when I did my grades, as far as the personnel you know, grade that I gave them, that was part of my biggest deduction on them, is that those were huge needs for them in the offseason. They did not address them, and now it's hurting them. And Clay Matthews is a really good tire. I mean, he's a good spare tire to have, but you also don't want to wear the donut out, and... I'm just curious as the season wears on, you know, and guys' injuries pile up, just if
1: that depth at that position will continue to get exposed. Well, and and before we let you go, I I, I did want to also point out, you you, you talk about uh, tight ends, and I know better because I've been following and covering this regime for parts of it since Ted Thompson took over, but I felt for some reason I still felt disappointed that they didn't make a play for Vernon Davis considering what they as little as they had to give up for that reason alone, because right end just hasn't been productive at all.
2: I agree with you. And I thought, you know, and, and Ted Thompson does things, Ted Thompson, you know, his way and he's traded a draft pick for a veteran player once. And it was Ryan Grant in 08. and, Otherwise, he likes to hold on to those things as much as possible. But the fact that they didn't inquire, uh, from all, from everything Pete Doherty and I have heard, they did not inquire about a quite, you know trading for Davis. I thought that was a huge lapse in judgment. And then, of course, it comes right after the Denver game in which, you know, Owen Daniels and, and Virgil Green really torched them for some yards. And, and the Broncos felt like they weren't getting enough production at that spot. A six-round pick and then swapping a sixth and seventh. In next year's draft, I thought that was a fair deal, and uh, I was I was very surprised that they didn't pull the trigger on that.
0: Wes, well, it's been great talking with you. Yeah, if if after we uh, after we talk some Badgers with Jason, uh, we may if it's okay with you, we may give you some call. May, may may give you another call. May may talk some Packers, but we may talk more wrestling. Like we haven't had our normal yeah. wrestling talk, and we have some yeah, Tyler Breeze good. WWE yeah, talk to talk about.
2: Yeah, we have some, you know, the Packers, you talk, you get Jason in there, talk about the Badgers, and then bring me back, and we can we close can it up with pro, pro wrestling.
1: Hey, real real quick, I had a Repo Man vision, because I, I imagine Don <laughs> Capers, oh, man. I, I imagined Don Capers wearing the Repo Man costume when he picks up his paycheck every week, so, um, oh, but that's but for another time, so.
2: That's no, cool. no, we can, yeah, we can hold on to that one for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: On that note, Wes, it's been great talking Packers with you. Uh, we'll give you a call back a little later, my friend.
2: Okay, sounds good. Thanks, guys.
0: Thank you. <laughs> guys. Uh, Wes Hodkowitz, Green Bay Press-Gazette, uh, take one quick 40-second break. We'll bring on Jason Galloway. Green Bay, or not Green Bay. Wisconsin State Journal. will talk some Badgers. Talk some Corey Clement uh, with some more unfortunate news for the junior running back and uh, what he's seen out of the Wisconsin Badgers through ten games. This is the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. welcome back, Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Big thanks to Wes Hodkowitz, Green Bay Press Gazette, for joining us for for that twenty plus minutes. Make sure, of course, you follow him at Wes Hod. And now, uh, it's a star studded show. We got uh, two great guests on, and we have uh, former writer for Bucky's Fifth Quarter, who uh, first came up, did some uh, great stuff for us when he first arrived up from Alabama, and uh, now is the lead beat writer for the Wisconsin State Journal, Madison dot com. Uh does some great work on the Red Zone podcast if you haven't uh, gotten a chance to listen to that, as well as some uh we absolutely love uh the, the game recaps, the stories during the week and, and the film room uh study that he does uh each week. We got Jason Galloway on. Jason, happy Thursday. Hopefully you've had a chance to to enjoy that bye week a little bit.
3: Yeah, I really have and I, I wouldn't really call my appearance star studded like you just said, but uh, I'm doing my best.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's uh it's great having you on first time on the show and it's you know it I, let's lead off with i guess with some of the we we talked about at the beginning of the show a little bit about Corey clement's injury i read off the press release from the wisconsin athletic department uh, another blow for clement uh this time with his cut in his hand and with uh with the report there and from the uh what Wisconsin Athletic Department, had said uh, it's it's been a rough go for the junior running back who is really poised for a breakout season his junior year.
3: Yeah, it's been it's been rough. I mean, obviously he starts off the season thinking he has a growing injury, tries to play through it, makes it worse because it, it wasn't actually a growing injury, it was a sports hernia. Takes, I guess, a few more weeks to figure out that that's what it is and has surgery and comes back and then misses another game because he's too sore and uh now this altercation he had outside of his uh his residence I guess the place where he lives where uh a, he kind of was assaulted by a, a couple individuals from what, what we've heard uh still don't know a whole lot of details on the incident but he, like you mentioned he got his hand cut um don't know how serious it is exactly um you know I, I think I think his status for the Northwestern game is probably more about his sports hernia if I had to guess I think a hand injury for running back you can probably uh Play through that unless it was, you know, extremely serious. So uh, it, it's you know, it's kind of a scary situation and um, kind of another tough break for Clement. But um,
1: I, I I would guess that he's still going to play against Northwestern. You know, I looked at this team, um, talking to a couple of uh, people, colleagues of mine that that have worked or covered the Badgers, and this team is their two losses have come to two top five teams in the the uh, the yeah. uh, FCS bowl pool. and one of them Iowa we talked about at the top of the show they gave that game away so when you really look at it they haven't played poorly as a whole body of work there's periods of time spots in different games where they didn't play well but this team is still poised to, to perhaps win 10 games if they can win these last two regular season games get themselves a good bowl but unfortunately miss out on a chance at, at perhaps a Big Ten championship game because they they, they gave the Iowa game away yeah, the
3: margin for error is so small with, with the season. I mean, uh, you go back to that Iowa game, I think if Clements healthy in that game, they probably win it by two scores. Uh, and, and even when he wasn't healthy, you know, if Joel Stavi doesn't get his foot stepped on at the one-yard line, uh, there's a good chance they pull it out anyway. Uh, you know, if, if they had won that game, you look at it now, uh, they could be, a, I guess, an 8-1 and one team. Uh, or was it 9-1 team, sorry. Uh, you know, kind of in the lead and in control of the Big, big Ten Western Division and on their way back to Indianapolis. And uh, they'd probably be close to a top-ten team if they had just won that game that they had every opportunity to win. So even with all the injuries they've had, I think they've done a really good job of kind of um, kind of dealing with those injuries and still kind of uh, pulling out these wins. Now, I mean, the flip side of it is they haven't really beat anybody. Uh, they haven't really beat a good team this season. Uh, you know, obviously they should have won that Iowa game, but, you know, should have, would have, could have. They didn't win it, and you know, after that, I mean, their next best win is, you know, uh, I'm not even sure. Maybe, maybe Illinois or, or or a team like that. So, um, so I understand why they're ranked, you know, 25th like they are now. And but it's 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 wild to think that if they had just pulled out that Iowa game, which they probably should have done, uh, they'd be kind of inching up there for the top 10. So um, yeah, a small margin for error, and it's that Iowa game probably cost them the division title, but. Um, I think if they go ten and two and and make a decent bowl game, I still think, especially with the injuries they've suffered, that's a, it's a good season.
0: Yeah, and we're here with Jason Galloway, Wisconsin State Journal. Follow him on Twitter at Jason underscore Galloway. And if I was going to ask you that question too, if if at the beginning of the season, when if you would say if you would have heard that Clement would have, would be out for eight games uh, and it was very limited in one of those two games that he did play in. And then you lose two of your, you know, two your three leading receiving targets in Robert Wheelwright and Austin Trailer, and then injuries on the offensive line with Dan Voltz being out now the rest of the year. Would you have predicted eight wins through the through the ten games? And, and what's been your, in your opinion, your biggest surprise out out of that? Uh, I'll say, let's start off with the offense first. Uh, what's been your biggest surprise out of the offense?
3: Well, no, I definitely would not have. Uh would not have predicted them to win eight games. I, I if you had told me that at the beginning of the year that all these injuries would happen and, and Clement would be out almost the entire season, I would have probably would have thought they lost uh, you know, at least maybe three or four games by this point. So I like I mentioned before, I think they've done, you know, a really good job of of uh kind of being able to kind of, you know, um I guess overcome these injuries and, and especially when you look back at the beginning of the season, the, the offensive line was such a mess regardless of injuries really and the way that unit's kind they've been kinda they've kind of been able to patch up that unit and, and continue to you know, make it improve throughout the season I think has been uh, good work by the coaching staff as well. Um as far as the surprise on offense, um, you know, it's uh it's kind of a tough call. I'd have to say, you know, even though Austin Traylor's been out most of the year, I think what he did in the first five games was, was really surprising to me. Obviously he hadn't uh shown anything as a pass catcher uh before this season started. Uh, you know, his first three years of his career, and to come out, and, and really, he was probably the Badgers, you know, second most reliable target after Alex Erickson uh, through those first five games. I think he had, uh, you know, 10 catches, three of them went for touchdowns, um, yep. you know, losing him was, was a really big loss. Uh, you know, after he went down, uh, you know, Troy Fumagali, you know, saw a bigger role, but you know, and especially in the running game too. I mean, uh, you know, I talked about this in the the film story I I, I put up on uh, online on Monday on Madison dot com. And um, when you look at the tight end, the tight end blocking just hasn't been as good since since Trailer and St- and Eric Steppas were both out. And I think uh, losing Trailer in the run game also really hurts too. He's 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 been known for, uh, you know, uh, being a good run blocker throughout the first three years of his career. And you know, even though he kind of stepped up as a pass catcher, that hasn't gone away, and he's still a big part of their running game in terms of uh, in terms of blocking. So um, I think getting him back uh, next week will be uh, really good in that regard too. And he's a guy that's probably surprised me
1: the most. When you look at this defense, uh, I really believe this is one of the best defenses that the Badgers have ever had. And they're number two in the nation in scoring defense. And aside from a, a couple of halves here and there, uh, I think this defense has been one of the tops in the nation. Uh, is this? Am I overrating this defense? Do you think this defense is is as good as as I think it might be in some others?
3: No, I don't think you are. I
1: mean, I you
3: know, early in the year, I would have just said, you know, this team hasn't really played anybody. You know, we you saw those that three game stretch here in the non conference schedule where they only allowed three total points, but it was against you know Miami of Ohio, Troy, and Hawaii. So it was kind of hard to gauge exactly. You know how good the defense was after they gave up the 35 points to Alabama, and then kind of shut down those three teams. And as you go through Big Ten play, while they haven't really, you know, faced a team like Ohio State, um, I mean they've they've been so solid all year. Uh, and you know, against Nebraska, they gave up a couple big plays. You know, Maryland got a couple big plays on them, but outside of that, they've just they just shut opponents down. And you know, um, are they the the best or second best defense in the country? You know, I'm not really sure if I'd go that far, but I think they're definitely a uh, you know a, a top 10 maybe top 5 unit in the country and um I think they've shown throughout the year that uh this this defense is even better than you know Aranda's last two years.
0: You're with Jason Galloway from the Wisconsin State Journal madison.com and I guess with the one in Wisconsin's defense, obviously uh, one of the best number two in scoring defense and, and uh, amongst the best, I believe in, in total defense, if I'm not mistaken, if there's one or maybe a couple areas where you think uh, that that they're vulnerable, and maybe you saw that a little bit in the Maryland game where a little bit of deep pass and uh, in, in some bigger plays there, missed tackled. I know they had, I think, Coach Chris mentioned seventeen, if I'm not mistaken, against Alabama. He saw a little bit yeah. again with that against Hawaii. Where where do you think this defense is is vulnerable?
3: Um, you know the missed tackles. I think you know, a lot of that against Alabama had to do with uh, just how good Alabama was. Um, I think Derrick Henry's a really tough guy to tackle as he's shown all year, and that that had a little bit to do with it. In the fact that it's the first game of the season, and you had. You know against Alabama, you gotta remember they're starting safeties for almost the entire game ever you know after Michael Caputo went out on like the third play of the game was was Leo Musso and Dakota Dixon those were the two starting safeties in that game and uh you know that's if those were their two starting safeties the whole year, the defense may not look you know quite as good as it has over these you know past eight eight or nine games so um, I think that probably partially explains that game uh I don't think I don't think there's you know, super deep at the cornerback position. Um and that that's kinda led to some of the big plays, I guess. Sojourn Shelton I think has has had a good year, but he's a little susceptible to the deep ball, which we've seen a couple of times. Uh, I think Darius Hillary Darius Hiller is, is definitely their best corner and he's been a really solid guy and I think he's a guy that may have a chance to play at the next level. But um uh you know, Derek Tyndall's been been picked on at times. He's he's had his good moments, he's had his bad moments. And then Natal Jamerson's a guy that, you know, hasn't really He's their fourth corner. hasn't really played a whole lot, but doesn't have a whole lot of experience at the cornerback position after moving there from wide receiver. So, um, if, if anything, it's, 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 I'm kind of nitpicking here because the defense is so good and it is well rounded. They got a lot of depth on the defensive line. There, their, their inside linebackers have been better than we thought they were going to be before the season, and uh, you know, and then the Tanner McAvoy's kind of filled in nicely at that second safety spot. So, uh, it's a little nitpicking, but I think you know they, they they could stand to have a little bit more depth at the cornerback position
0: and and with that uh looking at the obviously with the, the next games ahead uh they have a bye week this week uh coach Chris joked about uh someone had asked them yesterday during the press conference if he's just going to sit down relax and have a eat a bag of cheetos which was a interesting question <laughs> when, I, when i which i, I enjoyed actually uh it, it it was nice to you know uh he's uh, I guess maybe, you know, even before we get to the question about uh, – we'll have a couple more questions for you. I just But with this one, like, maybe we'll talk about the personality of Coach Chris. And obviously you were there last year with Coach Anderson. Uh, and, you know, we covered a little bit with Coach Anderson uh, his first season at Wisconsin. But, you know, Coach Chris, you know, he, he's got a nice personality and he jokes about, you know, stuff when people – uh, even asking about the fan criticism, I believe I think it was Jesse Temple that had asked him about the the fans' criticisms now with social media, and you know the the difference between when he played, and his response was, "Oh, we have fans, yeah, we have fans now, right? You know what I mean?" And and just like these little quips and and whatnot. Uh, I mean, how do you? I guess maybe it's more of a media-based question, but like how how what's the difference between Coach Chris covering him and Coach Anderson, and it just you know, he may not necessarily say a lot but there's that personality there that really uh you know it's a it's a very I'd say a humble charm uh, not to be too homerish yeah
3: I think I think that's just who Paul Christ is I think it, it when he's talking to anybody whether it's in front of the media or uh, the players or other coaching staff or if you're just talking to him you know off the record he's just a guy that's always going to joke around always going to have a good sense of humor and um, you know I don't think he's gonna take himself you know too seriously i guess um you know he he doesn't actually really you know enjoy talking to the media he doesn't you know he doesn't uh you know uh kind of in, he if he had his way, I think he'd just probably never talk to us and sit in the film room all day um but I think he's just that's just the way he is with everybody. I think he's just a guy that's gonna has a good sense of humor and and's gonna make those jokes like you like you mentioned um it kinda makes it more fun i mean Gary Anderson sometimes gave you a little bit longer, you know, answers in terms of, you know, when the media asked him a question or um, maybe he was a little bit more responsive, gave you maybe a couple more good answers. But um, I think it it makes it a lot more entertaining with Chris when he, uh, you know, throws the joke or two out there. Um, So uh, they're kind of two different guys to cover, but um, I kind of enjoyed, enjoyed each one.
0: Yeah, I agree absolutely. Uh before we let you go just, uh, just to kind of look in, into the future with this. Uh what do you think uh you, obviously Northwestern at home senior day uh against a ranked Northwestern squad and six Big 10 teams on for that matter. Uh it, that are ranked from from what it looks like and uh yeah. in the Minnesota down the road uh, at, at TCF stadium. What are you, what are you looking for in the last two games? Uh, and, and I mean, do you think uh, that the Badgers can pull off uh, a 10 win season? Granted, they may not get to Indianapolis.
3: I think they can, you know, I think uh, I, I've been, from the very start of the season, I was a little hesitant on Northwestern kind of jumping up the rankings so quickly. I know that that win against Stanford on Uh, The first week of the season was really impressive, and and Stanford's continued to win, and that's kind of made that win look a lot better. But uh, I think sometimes for you know first game of the season, you know that Northwestern, I think uh, maybe Stanford didn't really play their best game there, and I've you know I've I've kind of been a little hesitant on on, you know kind of Northwestern and how they moved up all the way to you know I think they moved it up all the way to twelve kind of earlier in the season. Uh, in the rankings. So I, I do think Wisconsin has a better team than Northwestern, especially playing them in Camp Randall. Um, I'll probably be picking Wisconsin to win that game. And, you know, I expect Corey Clement, uh, with everything he's gone through, with you know, with the hand, sports hernia, soreness, having this extra week off, um, I do expect him to play at least in a, in a limited position in that game. So um, I, I am going to pick Wisconsin to win that game. And then on the road at Minnesota, it's going to be a tough game. Um, it'll probably be a low-scoring you know, uh, you know, kind of hit each other in the mouth game, but uh, but you know, I, if I had to pick that one, or, that one right now, I'd also pick Wisconsin. I think they're the better team, and um, you know, I, I think if Clement can get healthy and, and give them a little bit, you know, more work. I mean, you saw the, the impact he could make in that Rutgers game. I mean, this is a Wisconsin team that before that game hadn't scored, uh, I think, more than twenty-four points against any Big Ten team, and. Clement rushes the ball 11 times and he scores three touchdowns, almost four, and they, they put up 40, what was it? 48 points. So um, I know it was against a bad defense, but I think he can just make such a big difference. And if if he's able to get back on the field for these last two games, uh, I'm pretty confident that Wisconsin will be able to win both of them.
0: Jason, it's always great having having you on the show. This is the first time we had you on the show, but uh, it's been great having you on (laughs) and we'd love to have you back on uh, down the road, obviously. And uh, like I said, the uh, best of luck covering the team and uh, looking forward to chatting. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to get down there next week for some player availability. Yeah. Anytime. Good talking to you. Excellent guys. That's Jason Galloway, Wisconsin state journal. You have them on com. red zone podcast. You, you have the, his great films, uh, his film room studies. Uh, I know I, I sit down and I read and, and I, uh, I I take it all in. It's, uh, great stuff from Jason. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Come right back. Uh, probably talk pro wrestling because uh, what's a Kilbasa King's podcast without professional wrestling? Uh, you guys take care. We'll see you guys back in just about I'd say about a minute and a half. Hey guys, welcome back! Hillbasa King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Just had Jason Galloway on. Like I said, make sure you guys check out his uh, great stuff on uh, the Wisconsin State Journal Madison dot com, uh, and uh, just really good stuff there. He Used to to write for us at Bucky's Fifth Quarter before he got the nice uh, plush gig over uh, over at uh, right off of Fish Hatchery Road. So uh, on that note, uh, we brought back on, of course, uh, someone we regard as a our polish brother uh West Green bay press Gazette uh we got some time left here in the podcast uh and uh I think you know obviously it, it, you know it's November so we're thinking survivor series for for professional wrestling uh uh your thoughts obviously now Seth i mean obviously a huge loss west with seth rollins being out with that uh sounds like just a completely blasted knee uh your thoughts heading in are you thinking roman reigns grabs that title do you think they're gonna have some sort of surprise guess the cena come back win his 16th world title and everyone goes lol cena wins what are you thinking
2: yeah well first off thanks for having me guys i appreciate it uh it feels like it's been a while but I'm uh, I'm ha- happy to be back. By the way, did we make history? Do, I, I can't think of any other show on which we've had a, you have a guest, and then he leaves and he comes back. I think that's uh, <laughs> that's pretty special. Yeah, um, no, it is. Yeah,
0: it, is Wes Hawkwitz <laughs> in the impact zone? Like you know that type yeah, of talker. Exactly. Or... <laughs>
2: yes, exactly. By the way, I made the mistake of watching TNA last night. But anyway, um, oh. Survivor Series. <laughs> <laughs> Survivor Series. Yes, Seth Rollins. I mean, I don't. I'm sure you guys saw that injury, right? I mean. That uh, oh, yeah. that was as ugly as a as a knee injury. That wasn't like the guy having to get stretched out, but in terms of just the contortion, as I as I've seen in a while, that did not look good at all. So that didn't that didn't surprise me that the ACL MCL it looked like every that ligament that was in that knee, you know, was gone. Uh, but yeah, the, it was interesting because I was really I was curious where they were heading with this whole thing in terms of how long he was going to hold the title, what Sheamus was going to do with the briefcase. And were they going to wait all the way till WrestleMania to have Reigns win it? Uh, if I'm Vim now, I think you got to give it to Reigns uh, because if they end up doing this again where they they script it for WrestleMania, I just don't think people are going to follow. And maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't know what you guys think, but uh, I think oh, I would get frustrated with it.
1: Well, well, I I think.
0: Oh, we may have. Oh, wait, here we go. There's Scotty.
2: Scotty
1: yeah, you there, brother? Hear...
0: Yep. Yeah. I can hear can you, you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I, hear I, I think
1: they should. Yeah. Good. I think they should turn Reigns heel. Actually. I w-
2: I wouldn't be I wouldn't object to that either. I just think they got to put the belt on him because it's just it's so obvious that that's what they're gonna do. Just do it already. You know. But yeah, yeah. if they want to turn him heel. They want to do whatever. Go go for it. Just just give him the belt already because it's it's been it's just it, whether it was WrestleMania or it's gonna be next WrestleMania, the, the whole goal is to make him champion. So why, just get it over with
0: yeah i agree i i think it's i think it's time for him i i wouldn't mind i am kinda of in the same boat as is Scotty I would love i mean I only planted the seeds, but that almost makes me feel like they're gonna turn someone else heel uh you know uh coming up i know like with triple h's promo from from monday talking about our champion if I'm not mistaken and grant I was in between changing diapers so i don't didn't hear the entire
3: uh
1: <laughs> it,
0: yeah it's it's two eleven month old twins and you're running with your head cut off because they're going in both different directions which is uh <laughs> Uh, by the way, I tried. I tried to get my wife to let let them dress up as the bushwhackers for Halloween. Uh, we're gonna oh, hold that off. That would've hold- been awesome. I know, I know. Uh, I'm hoping that we uh, do that in the next year or so. So, um, but yeah. So I'm hoping for that. You gotta uh, you get to just that do, one like, sooner than later. I know. I I'd do the Basham brothers, but they it, no one would get the gist yeah. of it. Uh, I was trying like <laughs> different twins, and nah, not 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 working on that end, but. No, it'll yeah. be interesting to see what ha- what they do with this world title. I'm, uh, you know, and interesting to see what they do even with uh, yeah, you know, I don't know, like someone that's over really, with, like you know, I don't know if they necessarily think he needs it, but Kevin Owens, obviously, he's got that prize right. fighter mentality, which I, and his matches are, I don't know, I, I find them fun, and he's a classic heel. Uh, and you know, I also like the New Day. Oh. I mean, obviously, the New Day. I mean, yeah. I almost bought right. their, their their new shirt. And just what they're doing now and giving them free rein to that—I mean, it's—it's it's been a lot of fun to see the creativity out of those guys, and and just you can tell they're having fun.
2: Well, the best the best part about the new day is that, and I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Mike Daniels, the defensive tackle from the Packers, is really close with Big E. Uh, he he played football with him at Iowa.
1: Yeah, yeah. So
2: so I think it was two years ago. Uh, I had a chance to go backstage with Mike and and got a chance to meet him. And he's just a really engaging, very articulate guy. Um, And then I got a chance to catch up with him again last year. And it was during last year that they were actually starting to think about, you know, and obviously they've been around now for a while, but they were thinking of putting this group together because, they really none of them had anything to work with. I mean, Kofi Kingston was sort of just floundering for a better part of almost two years. He really wasn't doing anything except being used as a transitional champion to get the U.S. title to to Dean Ambrose. Um, and, and Xavier Woods obviously had had fla- you know kind of went back even back down to NXT after the thing with our truth didn't work out. So they had kind of put this thing together, and, and it sounded like the WWE originally was going to just tear it apart. And they weren't going to go with it, but then finally. They put some vignettes together. I, th- I think they, if I understood the story correctly, I think they commissioned the music themselves and, like, paid for it themselves to get that entrance music that they have. And they went out there and they tried it out, and, and as we saw it, people kind of reacted negatively to it, and sometimes that's that's the best part. You know, 90% of their own creativity and then just 10% of which way the crowd goes with it. Suddenly, you probably have the most, I would say that's the most overheel tag team they've had in how many years? I mean, maybe going back to like the rated RKO tag team, I mean, when was the last time you yeah. had a heel tag team that was that over? I, I can't think of one, but.
1: I probably Edging of, like, Christian, I, honestly. Yeah. Probably. But, you know, it, Big E was a, a guest on our podcast once, so that was. Oh, uh, was
2: he really nice?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we had him on during, it was two years ago
0: for the Wisconsin Iowa game. I didn't get a chance to get him oh, on sure. this time. But uh, but no, he had fond he's memories a great of guy, really. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, really a really engaging guy. I mean, he he's actually he's he's a little bit more reserved than what he comes across on TV. But he's just he's really I just always found him to be very very friendly with a couple interactions I've had with him.
0: I know it's it's one of those things. I mean, it's nice to see that you know like I mean, and, and you can tell, but just by his his social media that, that he's that type of guy and obviously he'll have fun, yeah. but yeah, it's just you know, but very articulate. I mean, he was really, you know, uh, he wasn't really even, even in character with us. It was just one of those things where, uh, you know, he, he t- we talked a little bit about certain things and then, uh, but then, you know, we talked about the rivalry and he's like, Oh yeah, I just remember about all the respect we had for them. And it like, this really kind of dove deep in there. I was like, okay, okay. Yeah. Like it was, it was awesome.
2: Yeah. I think I, I've, I've always been really impressed so That's why, you know, whenever whenever I'm watching, I mean, I've always kind of pulled for him a little bit, and and obviously after the IC, you know, after he had the IC title, like all those guys, they seem to flounder for a while after they lose the title, and uh, it's it's kind of cool to see him see him uh, find his way again, and, and that's probably the best part is that, you know now they get the Dudleys back, and there's some real interesting teams for them to work off of. I mean, it's not quite. I wouldn't say it's as deep as what ROH is dealing with right now as far as how many different people they can have contending for the titles, but I think it's pretty exciting to at least see some, some old faces there and, you know, being able to mesh with some of these new tag teams they've created now.
1: So, yeah. uh, Wes, are you are you still enjoying what you're seeing down at NXT?
2: I am, yeah. I, I You know, the thing is, is they've, they've kind of raided the warehouse a little bit, uh, you know, now especially with Tyler Breeze coming up and um, I, I, to be quite honest with you, and this is nothing against the guy because I think he's really talented. I haven't been the the biggest Finn Balor fan. I don't I don't find myself uh, probably as entranced in, in with him as a lot of folks, and I think that's probably mostly because they haven't allowed him to really be the Finn Balor he was on the independent scene with, you know, the creativity and, and his gimmicks and you know, and the face paint. He's pretty much they, they've sort of just sort of restricted him to one particular type, which I thought is kind of taking something away from his character. Um, Samoa Joe obviously you get down there. I, I the thing I actually thought was most exciting for me and I and it's probably I, I don't know how many people are like this, but I thought James Storm showing up was probably the coolest thing. I I just yeah. think a guy like that, um, who, you know, Samoa Joe had built his name on the you know, the ROH circuit and, and the independence and you know, he was pretty well established by the time he got to T N A, but but here's a guy in James Storm who he's he's sort of like I'm not going to compare him to Sting because Sting is just an icon in and of himself. But I mean, James Storm was Mr. TNA. I mean, that that was the guy that had been there the whole time. And now for him to to show up on NXT, I thought that was a really cool opportunity for him. I hope. I think the last thing I read, they were still negotiating. Uh, but I really hope he makes it and, and they work something out and, and they can do something with him. Cause I think he's, I, he, he's obviously not really in his prime anymore, but at the same time, I, I think he's just—he's he's a character I've always really enjoyed personally.
1: Well, you know, that's what I really like about the evolution of that brand too. And I think that's Triple H's influence because two years ago, the word around the company was James Storms will never work here. And the fact right. that they've allowed that to happen is is really cool.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, it's also pretty neat is that they're they're doing something that WWE can't do on the regular programming. I mean, they're having guys show up, you know, out of the blue, whether it's a, a James Storm or you know a Samoa Joe finally debuts. Although I think they've kind of mishandled him a little bit in my my own opinion. I, I don't really like the direction they went with him. They they kind of had him flirt with that feud with Kevin Owens, and then Owens ended up getting called up and seemed like he was kind of left out there a little bit, but. But then you had Rhino come back and, you know, the Brian Kendrick was there. I mean, that, that, I think that's the coolest part is that it kind of has that old 1990s. Hey, you never know what's going to happen. You never know who's going to show up uh, as long as you don't spoil it. So you spoil it for yourself with the dirt sheets. I mean, you, you, it's pretty cool when, when those moments happen.
0: Yeah, I'll agree with you, though, too, about uh, I like Finn Balor a lot. I think he's obviously talented and you saw what he did over on the Indies and in New Japan and, and and all that, but they haven't really. I mean, they talked about the demon and the character, or not the demon, or whatever you want to call it. Just whatever. The, yeah, right. But he just, you know, they haven't like. I would. Lo- I mean, he, and he was a heel, you know, a lot of the time. You know, with the Bullet Club, and now they're doing the right. Baller Club. You know, obviously to to kind of cater to the the fans of uh, that that have followed him for a while, but. You'd think that he'd had, you know, like they turn him heel. Obviously, you're still trying to figure out what's going on with, uh, you know, Hideo Tommy, with, uh, you know, that storyline. When he comes back, who's the one that actually knocked him out? And, and you know, I know there's right. been teases about, you know, if if Balor would turn heel, like it, it's stuff like that. That you know, I'm like, I kind of want to see a little bit more of him maybe wrestling with that, uh, with that internal conflict stuff like that. That you you know, it might be seem too obvious, but. Uh, it would explain why he would turn on them and whatnot. But then you see Joe and I don't know if they've if it's actually already been spoiled, but uh you know, Samoa Joe kinda like turning on uh Balor or something like that, where now they you right, want that right. title and you want that set up so I mean at least they're doing something with them. But yeah, I I mean I've, yeah. I I like the, the work rate that Balor's had and but it's also I still haven't seen that character yet that it really takes it to the next level. Like you've seen with a Bailey or Sasha Banks or a Becky uh, Lynch.
2: Yeah, they do. They seem to do a lot better job uh, developing their, their, their female wrestlers. I mean, not in terms of, you know, that that's terrific, but it just seems like uh, with the the male guy, you know, the male wrestlers, they just, they kind of always seem to just, you know, okay, you have, you know Adam Adam Rose is what he is, and now we'll send him on to, to WWE. And, and Bo Dallas, you know he's he's had his run, so he'll go on to WWE. It just seems like the it seems like they've done a really a lot better job sort of sewing you know the, the female wrestlers into the division where the the male. So it kind of just seems like they're throwing them in, and that's probably because it's sort of an over you know kind of populated roster to begin with. I mean they they haven't done a cut now in what about a year and a half, so. There's a lot of guys on the active roster with, with them sending these NXT guys up and you just feel bad for some of them who do seem to get lost in the laundry a little bit. But yeah, the the thing that's that's interesting is I, uh, it was only recently here in green Bay that we finally were able to start getting ROH uh, on the Sinclair broadcasting. I think it, it took Sinclair buying Fox 11 up here that I was finally able to watch ROH more regularly. And and I, I really enjoyed that brand of wrestling now too, and you know, understanding now what the Bullet Club is, and you know, and how they, you know, the wrestlers that were involved with it. Um, th- that's the thing I probably like about NXT is it just seems like they're doing such a better job of embracing. I mean, TNA they still won't acknowledge that they even exist, but they do. It seems like they're doing a better job of of understanding that hey, these wrestlers didn't just start wrestling now, and, and here's the beginning of their career that they actually had a history. And, you know, being able to maybe sort of embrace that a little bit more than, than they'd done for, you know, a pretty long amount of time.
1: Hey, Wes, real quick, a couple of cheap plugs here. Um, first of all, ROH is in Milwaukee tomorrow, which will be really cool. I know. A great time. Um, and then, um, I, I, obviously, you'll be busy Saturday because you got to get ready for Sunday, but I'll be in Beaver Dam. I've entered myself in a bunkhouse stampede match. Jake, you should think about making yes. your way up to Beaver Dam. You serious? That's wait, what's what what, what what is this? What hey, what, what promotion art is this? Well okay, first of all, if you're familiar with the old Bunkhouse stampede, the Jim Crockett territory, basically a battle royal with bull ropes and cowbells and all that other stuff. Um and I will be uh representing represented there for M E. P. W. uh at Pops in Beaver Dam at uh, seven o'clock on Saturday.
0: I will yeah, try. Man. I have some uh day job stuff, but no, nah, I got I might have to drive up there. It's only like a 40 minute drive from here. So, all right.
1: Well, nice. Well, and I'll give you I'll give you a quick spoiler too. You better get see me quick cuz March is the end of my in-ring career. So, you don't have a whole lot of time to see me, man. Oh. Oh, man, man, I
2: wish we didn't have the game. I'd be there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know we've be, be your manager Scotty we'd be your managers. There'd be some... uh, There you go. There you go.
2: I was going to say, we'd be the heel managers that are distracting the refs so that every time Scotty gets eliminated, he can roll back in the ring.
1: Yeah, that'd be perfect. (laughs) That'd be perfect. Oh, that'd be awesome. So anybody listening should show up. And again, there'll be other opportunities because like I said, I'm going until March, but time's running. The clock is ticking, man. It's ticking. (laughs) The
2: retirement tour.
1: That's right. Are you still doing the commentating? Are you still doing, like, the ring announcing stuff, then? that's, that's Oh, yeah. Patient, that, yeah, that, yeah, no, I'll continue to do that. I might pick up some managerial gigs from Vic, who's our buddy who's retired, but the actual in-ring wrestling, I'm 45, man. It's time.
2: Hey, a serious question. How many wrestlers, independent wrestlers out there, double as the ring announcer or or, or in terms of, like, an, an announcer? I can't, I can't imagine that you're in a pretty rare class there.
1: I'm in a, a very rare class. Yes, um, pulling double duty. Nobody else that I can think of, and it's weird because I keep it completely separate. You know, a heel wrestler and some feds, and a baby phase ring announcer, and the other. So, I'm, I'm able to keep them separate.
2: That's pretty awesome. Well, good luck to you. We we're we're wishing you luck.
1: Well, thanks. Thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, on that note, uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll end it on on this talk. Obviously, you you and I, Wes, are, are fans of Tyler Breeze. Thoughts of him on the main roster, uh, and it's you know it's a it's a decent starting feud with with Dolph Ziggler, Ziggler and then now the uh, the Summer Breeze faction, if you will.
2: Yeah, I like it. Uh, I mean, I really hope that that Summer Rae stops. Like this is where the carousel stops. She's just the manager for Tyler Breeze now for at least a year. Um, cause she's bounced around way too much. They had her with what? Sandow, The Miz, Ziggler, Rusev. They just, they couldn't, they just kept bouncing her from one thing to the next. So hopefully that they, they keep her, they keep her with him. I hope they have more patience with, with Breeze than they've had with a lot of these other guys. I mean, I don't, to be honest with you, I didn't think Bo Dallas ever had a fighting chance with that gimmick. I was actually kind of hoping that maybe at some point they would just convert him over to a Wyatt. Um, I thought that would have been, you know, kind of funny and tongue-in-cheek and would have worked, but, um, you know, Adam Rose gets lost in the shuffle. It just seems like there's been so many guys that they they, they don't really give them a great shake, and then they end up just falling back to, to the Superstars matches. So I hope they really invest time into Breeze's character. I think it can be one that can make money for them, and I already like what they did with the Titan Tron. It seems like they have a pretty good vision for where they, they want to go taking this thing from the small NXT, you know, venue to the actual, uh, you know, the big stage now. And I'm uh, interested to see how this one goes. I mean, I, I, part of me didn't like the idea of him facing Ziggler because I, I really don't want Ziggler's been putting over enough people. And it just seems like he's working further and further down the card. I, I kind of wanted to still see him up. I mean, this is the same guy that was one of the survivors last year in the, you know, the battle for the WWE. So I, I don't really like the direction he's gone since re-signing, but at the same time, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense for that to be the first use for Breeze on, on the WWE brand. And if nothing else, I'm, I'm I'm liking that they actually stuck him in with somebody right away rather than uh, you know just having him come up and, and just have some random matches. It, it makes sense that this is the way you, you bring him in with him being sort of the, the the confidant or whatever you want to call it now with Summer Rae and you know, obviously trying to to get some some revenge, but I'll say this. They, they almost lost me on the Ziggler thing. I, my DVR hasn't been working very well the last couple of weeks. I mean, I watch ROH religiously every week, but every once in a while I'll, I'll miss a WWE episode of raw. And it seems like one week summer Rae's with Krusev, Then she's with Ziggler. Now she's with breeze. And now her, and then like her and, I, and Lana's gone. I, I've gotten so confused by that. So hopefully all the pieces finally sort of fall into place now. And, and we're done with, uh, some
0: of carousel. No, absolutely, yeah, no. It's it's it, it, it's good to have some stability, we, you know, which is what you see, you know, a lot. I think in NXT, you know, and then you know, you, you, hopefully that now with the Lana injury, now that they, I think the whole thing that Summer Rae bounced around, is also because of the fact that the the TMZ stuff where they broke Lana and right. stuff being engaged, which actually worked out, I think, best for for you know, uh, for the parties involved. That way you get, you know, I mean, now with Rusev injured, now you have Tyler Breeze being po- propped up to the main roster. But yeah, no, and hopefully, I mean, I, just, I don't know. Hey, I, I want to watch Survivor Series, but I'll be honest. I don't know. I, the big payoff is supposed to be the Wyatts versus, the, you know, the Brothers of Destruction, and I'm sure that'll happen. Obviously, that'll still happen. But the simple fact that, you know, I mean, they kind of spoiled the, the match on Raw. You know, and obviously you, you right. want the big pop with Kane and Taker in there, but what's the payoff now at the you know when you're supposed to have this big match coming up and and well they already beat down uh, they already beat down the Wyatt family. You know, it wasn't just like Bray, it was everything or just you know the you know uh, yeah, Eric Rowan. It was everybody. Too.
2: Yeah, yeah. I've been really confused by how they've booked the Undertaker over the last two years and, and how they've approached his feuds because I know if you go back to. Uh, you know WrestleMania the first time against Lesnar, McMahon said the entire time he just wanted he just wanted Taker going over. He didn't want you know Lesnar every single Monday night. He was just Undertaker beating up Lesnar more and more, and then they finally got to right before the pay per view, and then there had to be something. So then Lesnar ends up beating, you know, beating up Taker before you know the pay per view, and then I probably the one I liked the most was probably him not even coming back at all until the actual match against Bray. Like he just he was just gone um and now this one's been kind of confusing in terms of okay now he's just sort of like roaming around and getting really his butt kicked i mean he got destroyed by lesnar and wait now he's in a he's feuding with wyatt again and um yeah i thought i thought that was really interesting because when you know you're so used to when the the bell tolls that it's just you know a casket's gonna appear or there's gonna be fire or lightning or something and then didn't Kane actually come out, and they just start beating people up? It just was very odd, I thought, especially this far away from the pay-per-view. I thought they would have slow-burned that a little bit more, but it is what it is.
1: Well, you know, they still have – there's still going to be probably one more chance where the where the Wyatts will get over on one or both of them leading up to the pay-per-view. Right. So they could still set that up to make it look uh, – I mean, they could still, still have time to save it and make it look the way it should look, so – did um, I don't know? Um, did you
2: guys see that thing at all? I think it was from either it was the tapings for either main event or SmackDown. But Fandango wrestled Braun Strowman. Did you did you see the result of that at all?
1: No, I did. No, I, it uh, happened?
2: I, I was uh, I was reading this online. I didn't get to see the match at all. I think it was what it was probably as we're talking. It was on Thursday night, um, and supposedly Fandango got caught in that. I mean, Strowman just his finisher is ridiculous. They got a they, dude. He has to get a different finisher. That bear hug type thing that he does, and I guess Fandango was just tapping out to it, and the ref was trying to get him to stop tapping because he's just supposed to pass out; he's not supposed to tap out. And uh, I guess eventually they just went with it. I guess, from what I understand, I guess it was pretty funny when when they were taping it.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, well, I mean, wasn't Scotty not to give away too much of, of theory? But isn't a baby face not supposed to tap? Like they're supposed to really give up, right? Like, they're not supposed to be – they're supposed well, to be valiant. Is
1: that why I, yeah. what I heard? Unless it's a low-mid-card guy, because then you can use that to put the heel over, because you can make yeah. the the, low, the bottom baby faces tap. So. Gotcha. I um, think
2: the way they've been doing this, though, is they just want all these guys – from what I read, they just want all these guys to, like, they're just so physically overpowered that they all just pass out, you know, they just destroy them. And then you have Fandango like crazy tapping out on his back. Like, <laughs> evidently they didn't. Whoever was the the, the agent for that match probably uh, wasn't clear enough in the instructions, I would imagine. But I got to check it out. Supposedly it was pretty funny from what everybody was saying.
1: Here, you know, here's the thing. When I think of Strowman, I think of two things. I think of Jeep Swenson because that's how jacked up he was. And I always think of Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. So I just I can't get either of those images out of my head.
2: So. You know the thing that's funny about Strowman too, they actually man I don't know maybe you guys saw it NXT closer than I did, but I mean dude the guy wasn't even really ever on NXT at all I don't think no, like, at least wasn't. not that I saw him. He just he just sort of appeared you don't you don't see that a whole lot because I just figured if they're gonna bring somebody up well then maybe they have Baron Corbin turns out to be you know somebody or they figure out something but for to have him just sort of come out of nowhere I thought was pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, that's something they don't do much of anymore.
2: Yeah, all these guys are just, I mean, the way that, with with how much, how many eyes are on developmental now, it just seems like they, whatever characters they have in NXT, they just got to kind of float them into, you know, the main roster.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who the next call-ups are, and, I mean, if there's any more injuries, obviously Cena's coming back, uh, supposedly, from his little break. So it'll be interesting to see who, uh, I don't know. I'm, uh, did yeah, you, I'm just,
2: go ahead. did you? What did you think? what did you think of Del Rio coming back? By the way, like his uh, meeting scene in like eight minutes or whatever that was.
1: Uh, you know, I, I liked it because I didn't think it was ever going to happen. Like, you know, I thought the way he left and you know left on bad terms. I mean, I'll tell you what though. One of the things that's different, and and I think I talk about this all the time with, with my friends that are in the wrestling uh, businesses. How different things are now than in the '90s, because you know, in the '90s, every these guys were larger than life, and they still have to bring these guys back just to pop the crowd. It's right. but I, it, it's just so weird and so different how how that has has kind of you know today's stars other than Cena, there's really nobody that, that that's drawing that kind of money.
2: No, exactly. And and it was funny when I was I so I hadn't had the network for a couple months. I usually take off during the football season, I just don't usually have a chance to watch it at all. It's just not worth it. Um but I actually got it because we had the bye week for the pay per view. The pay per view is on a Sunday after the bye. Um during the bye. So I'm I'm sitting there watching with my buddy and you know, obviously seen as in the first match, In the moment that Zeb Coulter comes out in his little rascal I'm like, oh, <laughs> dude, they brought back Del Rio. Like, I, I think maybe it had been online that they were bringing him back, but I didn't know that. But the moment that Del Rio came out, I was like, I immediately am like, yeah, there's no way Jack Swagger is wrestling him. And of course, it ends up being Del Rio, ends up being the guy that they bring back. I, I'm not the biggest Del Rio fan, but I, I mean, if that's, I, I guess I understand why they did it. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't believe he beat Cena the way he did. I mean, it was pretty emphatic for. For considering that that Kevin Owens had to basically throw him off a bridge and, and hit him with like eighteen pop-up power bombs to get him to two and a half, the fact that he just got kicked in the face and and that was the one two three, I, that that definitely surprised me.
0: Yeah, I, I I like bringing back Del Rio. It just you I mean, and obviously they're doing their their Mex America gimmick, and and I'm I'm, I'm right. you know and, I, and I'm fine with it. And obviously I, I like Zeb as a heel, and you know I I personally like the heel managers. Uh, it just gives you know it gives a little bit more of a I don't, I don't know to me I'm maybe a little bit more old school but I enjoy those old sure. school type you know cornet was fun with you know with uh, with with, uh, with the midnight express and and just other stuff like that I just
1: uh
0: yeah I, but I don't know I just for me I I guess maybe I mean obviously his work rate's great but not necessarily the I don't know the character and just uh, maybe the enthusiasm's not there for me right uh, I my, think that was what you know?
2: I always struggled with. So, yeah, but... the, the other thing that's the other thing that's interesting too is I mean I want to see if Del Rio. I mean this is gonna be great. they will see he'll have the U.S. title reign and we'll see what they do with it. But I want to see what Del Rio does when he doesn't have a belt because if he doesn't have a belt right now, it just seems like there's no gimmick with him. There wasn't the moment he was no longer in the world heavyweight title chase after he lost the unification match to Cena. There was nothing for him to do outside of basically being a a prop up for Batista. Um I'd be curious to see if they can develop his character better than they did the first time. And on a side note, you know, Zeb Coulter was gone for whatever that was, 10 11 months. Dude, whatever he had, the hip surgery or whatever, it must not have gone well. If he's if he actually I I don't know if that's a part of the gimmick or if he actually needed that, but um for for him I I've, I've never seen that before to have him have him come out in the, the the kind of the you know, the rascal. I can't think of another word for it. Whatever he called it, the hover round, that's it.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I didn't hear anything about any any updates with the surgery either. I mean, it's kind of like off of the like you know, I, I we I go off of like cage side seats, and also like Lord yeah. the Pain and all that stuff. I didn't see anything. Uh, any any notes off, on that?
2: Yeah, they wrote him off last December because he had to have something. I forgot if it was hip surgery or knee surgery. He had to have something like replacement, and. Basically right after they had made that announcement he was just gone. Like he, there was no updates on how he was doing really and he didn't really say anything on Twitter. So that that was really it. Until he came back out and redebuted with, with Del Rio, I hadn't heard anything since uh since they wrote him off. Absolutely. But now we get Del Rio we get Del Rio and Swagger again, so uh that'll be <laughs> a great that everybody will wanna see. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. No, oh well, yeah, I yeah, not know. Uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes until yeah, Cena comes back or whatever they do with that. But uh, but yeah, on that note, I should I I, would, I should probably get going just because I got to get some some uh, day job stuff going uh, on my end. But yeah, Wes, man, I it's it's good talking with you again, man, and, and having me back on the show and just hanging out and uh we got for scotty's final match whenever that is uh I, we'll have to show the support and i think we have to get the, the scotty bandwagon all together uh yeah for that match not that we know obviously with spoiler alert scotty i promise you we won't we won't spoil that but uh but yeah we have, we'll have to get together uh for that and also also have you on the the show coming up for for more packer talk and and breaking down uh the, the last was it oh gosh the last eight games of the season
2: yeah, for sure. And, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll definitely chat before then. But, yeah, we should definitely, if it's going to be March or wherever, figure that out, circle it on the calendar. I'll make sure I get down your guys' direction for that. That would be uh, a great way to, to to send Scotty out.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Scotty, brother, you got anything else, man?
1: Yeah, I'm still here. I'm sorry. I was listening, doing a couple different things at, at once, uh, but uh, enjoying the conversation. But it was it was rolling, so I just kind of let it go. <laughs> That's so what happens
0: when we start talking pro wrestling here. So it's uh yes, yes. which I absolutely adore. It's 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 it fuses everything together. It's sport like about well, Wisconsin sports. You have your your football, and then you know of course we have baseball, a little bit of basketball. Then like pro wrestling is just there, especially when you have like guys like Silas Young and, and Beer City Bruiser being in ROH right now, and and Hornswoggle in WWE, and and there's that you know and in TNA you have Ken Anderson still. Uh, hovering around so uh yeah no it's its it's its own sport despite despite the sport entertainment
2: moniker no i agree and that's actually something that is pretty cool too and i i know uh having the beer city brewer um brawler in there now it's it's, that's i really enjoyed that gimmick and i think that's a really uh i think silas versus dalton castle is probably going to go down as one of my favorite feuds in the last 10 years I, i think that just those two were made to wrestle and feud with each other. It's just, it's the perfect dynamic.
1: You know, it, it, the other cool thing is getting a chance to work with uh, Matt Winchester or, or the Brawler yeah. and, and Silas on a regular basis. It's pretty cool. Kind of, kind of, some of the cool things you get to do. So,
2: yeah, and it's just I, that was always what I wondered because I've been watching him since. Uh, I think what was he before that? Was he Dentine Moore? I'm trying to remember what he used to tour yeah, around. Yeah, yeah did I was he young. yep. Moore?
1: When I was yeah. uh, actually when I was running wrestling shows back in the uh, late '90s, I was the first federation that he worked for as Dinty Moore. Oh, so, was it really?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. It's just what's cool is you, you sometimes you worry, you know, when when guys aren't, you know, the, you know, the sort of Matt Morgan type, just prototypical male guys, you know, that they're not, you know, six four and two sixty and completely cut, you know, if they're people are going to give them a chance, and I just. I think that gimmick works. I think he makes it work, and uh yeah, I, I I like that they're giving him that shot now with with ROH. I think I think him and Silas can do a lot of cool things together.
1: Well, and I think it's an testament to both of their hard work. I mean, it really is because you're right. They don't. Yeah. They aren't. They aren't genetically gifted. They're not six four. And but you know, Silas is such a great athlete, and Matt is such a tireless worker. I think it's just it's great that it worked out for both of them the way it has.
2: Yeah, and I remember. um I used to help out with the wrestling show up here, um, and I think it was in '06. I got to see Silas wrestle Samoa Joe up here in Green Bay, and I guess those in that uh, it was just it just really those are the things you always remember because it's like it's cool to see it on ROH or whatever, but you know me seeing. I remember when CM Punk came up here when I was a kid. Was that um, was that Jason Jerry's shows up there? The ACW. No, it was uh it was actually Mike Mercury, uh when they created oh, Mercury Pro One Wrestling so yeah. you know, Mike so Merck Merck had uh, A C W before Jason and then right. uh the thing, I think Jason took it over if I remember correctly and then Mike yep, ended right. up creating this uh Mercury One and uh he had he had Silas and, and Silas was just wrestling for it. that's also I think uh depending on who you talk to, that's where WWE ended up getting the the um the Hornswoggle gimmick for Dylan Postle was was yeah. from he was he was a leprechaun for for at least that federation. Maybe he was doing that with Everywhere, but I think Finley ended up catching wind of him and he wanted the leprechaun. So then that got things moving. So yeah, a lot of cool things. That that's when I was in high school. I was helping out with some of the, some of the uh, like just technical stuff and just you know being kind of a ring hand and had a really good time doing that stuff. You must yeah have I know
1: Mitt, by a the a great guy too. So
0: yeah. I was going to say, I used to wrestle up for Jason Jerry's stuff up in uh, ACW and NWA, Wisconsin. Oh, but Yeah, no, I was in that. I mean, yeah, I, I did a, a – Grant, I don't know if you remember. I was a play – it's called – I was called a playa in pink where I was with, like, Bobby V and uh, this other guy, uh, Josh Josh Max, and we did that for a little bit. I, there was never a gimmick that stuck. Uh, I, I was yeah. still young trying to figure it out, and then it just uh, – I did a, a – I actually got a, to wrestle uh, Hornswoggle. It was uh, – maybe a couple months before he got signed, where I did a yeah. terrible British gimmick with a terrible, like, British accent, and I, I, I did him in the tree <laughs> of woe, and I kind of stomped okay. on a certain other regions, and I got the biggest <laughs> heel
1: heat I've ever gotten. Now, wait wait a minute. Let me let me just ask you this. You what? play a bad British gimmick, but you wouldn't run with the Australian gimmick. No, I wouldn't run with the Australian gimmick. I, well, yeah, see, you... you, you Oh, you, just, okay. you just don't understand, understand it. I got understand.
0: British it. gimmick, Australian gimmick is the same. I'm not good at either. No. I felt I, I should have went with the Polish gimmick that I that I realized. Uh, I should, it could have been like the evil Polak. You know, the evil no, or the you did, You Polak. you were I, good as the that. Australian. There, there was money. There was evil money Polak. in the
1: Australian. Isn't is even like the Pol- we had a whole gimmick oh.
0: about a stupid Pollock uh, like, like, like not a stupid Pollock but it's like a uh, like, like, like like for Scotty and I had a program in 2009 where like the, one of the like matches we were going to do is like I I get him in a german suplex I suplex him over but like he kicks his like you know I don't bridge well and then he kicks out at two and three quarters and then I think I win and and then they all realize that I lose yeah, like stuff like that like I, we should have done like roll with that gimmick
2: the Polish mm. Suflex. <laughs> <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. Oh so.
2: gosh, I wish you got a, You have any tape of that? Is there any uh, anywhere I can kind
1: YouTube that those matches at all? Ooh, we don't, don't have don't music. Uh, most most of my career because I had that. Like, some of our matches on tape burned up in my house fire, but uh, I think Vic has some copies of some of the stuff we did together, Jake. So we might have to roll some of that out. Oh man. I gotta yeah. see this British gimmick, this this British slash Australian gimmick.
0: Oh oi, <laughs> uh, No, it, I mean like and it was just bad. It but it was terrible. Just it was I don't know how to describe it. Like if I like that was part the reason why it came up is that we did this like in, in Bruce City Wrestling Frank DeFalco thing back in oh six is that uh, they'd want to do this foreign franchise. It was me and, and Lord Con and, and and Mickey McCoy uh, and, and a couple others, uh, and we had this really good, like, it was a it was a good heel faction, we actually got over really huge towards the end of that year, but, uh, before I suffered a concussion, but it was just one of those things that, uh, I, you know, they're like, oh, we want you to do a British character, all this other stuff, and I was like, oh, uh, yeah, sure, I mean, I got back to wrestling, you know, in that promotion, I was floundering as a college kid gimmick, which was stupid, uh, and it, <laughs> You know, I was like, oh, look at me, I'm Wisconsin, yay. And it just didn't go anywhere. I was like generic face number five that was that was but, jobbing and, out. And, and,
1: and on the flip side of that, I, a couple, our faction, the Ross family, pulls off the fraternity gimmick up in, in lacrosse because I play the 40-year-old frat guy. So <laughs> Oh, see, there
2: you
1: able, go. See, so that, we were able to make that work, but just because I'm the Van Wilder of from wrestling i guess so <laughs> that's that's too awesome i got yeah
2: you got to find those old videos i love to i love to watch them
1: by they the way is, any this, is, a promo is this like, oh, there any is yeah there you go well i the promo stuff we i got that down you should see some of my promos but i'll tell you what have we been taping this the last 37 minutes or we've we been doing we actually have too? yeah we've actually oh, yeah. have the past 37 minutes like
0: we this is the longest podcast we've ever we've ever uh, it put is. together
1: <laughs> it is, it is. Well, I'm gonna cut my uh, my part of the podcast short because I have to run, gentlemen. But uh, it was it was it was an experience. This,
2: this was awesome. <laughs> Let's uh, we gotta we gotta do this some more. We it's like the old WCW. We just went like ridiculously over the time a lot and didn't even care about it. So yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, well, it sounds good. Yeah, well, we'll let you guys go too. And for everyone that's been listening, thank you guys all. Uh, thank you, of course, to Wes Hodkowitz, Green Bay Press Gazette. Uh, just great Packer coverage all around, great wrestling analysis as well. Uh and and that's what we we and that's what we absolutely love out of him. And and, and big thanks to Jason Galloway from Wisconsin State Journal. Uh and of course, uh check out uh the Green Bay Press Gazette, Bucky's fifth quarter, uh and and much more And uh the Polish Rifle. Scott Wisniewski, has now left the building. And uh Wes, <laughs> thanks again, man. Like you have been amazing. Right. Uh, we'll we'll talk soon, my friend.
2: Thanks, buddy, appreciate it.
0: <laughs> have a have a good weekend, my friend.
2: Yeah, you too, dude. <laughs> Catch you later.
0: yeah But and everyone else guys, it's Jay Kokorowski. Uh thanks again for listening. Uh we'll we'll put pl- I'll put this up on the website tomorrow. Uh like I said, uh check out Bucky's fifth quarter for all your badgers news and those. We got tons of stuff with Wisconsin basketball preview. We'll have our own show up coming up hopefully this weekend, uh or the, or the next week thereafter. And we'll also talk more pack more badgers football against northwestern we got uh women's hockey men's hockey i uh, forgot to mention uh beat number one north Dakota last weekend and we'll go from there so you guys take care Uh we'll see you guys soon